Welcome to After Credits here on the Intercut Podcast channel, where we review a new movie, including everything that comes after the credits. I'm your co-host, Zachary Shevichin. Joining me, he really likes your NASA stickers, it's Arturo Zurita. And the Rockets in total as well, don't get me wrong, I'm a big fan of the stickers, but I feel like 2022 has uh, given us a lot of Rocket movies, a lot of kids with rockets, and then turmoil happens between Black Phone and Armageddon Time. Uh, if a kid has a rocket, it's not going to end up well. Yeah, um, not really going well for, for kids in 2022 movies either. A lot of really. like, angst and anguish and uh, learning life lessons as, as we only do in the movies, as we only can in the movies, I guess. Um, Armageddon Time, another director looking back at their childhood through film. Uh, we're getting a lot of these in 2022. I feel like this is one of the interesting ones, though. We are going to uh, get into this review and get into spoilers a little bit later. But before we talk about spoilers, let's talk more generally about Armageddon Time, which sees James Gray return to movie theaters, his eighth and most personal feature film yet. It follows a young Jewish boy growing up in Queens in 1980, Paul Graff played by Banks Repetta. Um, and he attends public school, finds that while his teacher, Mr. Turkletop, gives him a hard time, he's much harsher on Johnny, his young black friend, new young black friend, played by Jalen Webb. Uh, Jalen Webb, by the way, also really good in that film Bruiser we talked about back during our, our TIFF coverage. So ah. we're going to hear more about Jalen Webb in 2023. Wow, um, good for him. Yeah, Paul befriends Johnny, but finds that their backgrounds are very different. Johnny lives with his grandmother, who has dementia. Meanwhile, Paul lives in a comfortable home with his parents and grandparents. Um, uh, describing his family as rich, although they're seemingly more middle class here. Not very rich, uh, But definitely <laughs> ascending the class ladder. Uh, at home, he's a nag to his parents who hope that he'll drop his dreams of becoming an artist and start applying himself at school like his older brother, who's attending a fancy private school. The weight of expectations hangs heavy over his head, and he's reminded of his Jewish grandparents' uh, escape from the Nazi takeover of Eastern Europe and how coming to America brings with it a general per uh, generational pursuit of wealth and the American dream. Arturo, Gray's film tackles complex social dynamics at the onset of the Reagan presidency while telling an upsetting story of a sort of socio-political coming of age for its young protagonist. I felt like it was an extremely thoughtful construct thoughtfully constructed uh, film with inflicted with the pain of memories that you'd rather forget and rather unique in the spectrum of coming of age films. But what was your takeaway from Armageddon Time? Uh, you had brought it up earlier. We have this slew of movies uh, where it's the directors making these biopics to a degree of their childhood. We last year had Belfast where it was um, Kenneth Branagh kind of revisiting his childhood in a black and white uh, format where it's technically him being the kid. And he's kind of looking back at uh, 
Protestants, religion, really as a whole, what his town had to face during that time, kind of his love for movies. Spielberg is taking mm-hmm. it to the next level because it's like literally, uh, you've seen the movie twice. I've yet to see Fablemans, <laughs> but uh, you having seen it uh, a second time even came out going like, nah, he is like really going in full emotion on this idea of what it's like to be a Fableman, uh, a Spurgman, someone who knows how to tell these <laughs> stories so well. Uh, I didn't catch Empire of Light, but that felt like another one uh, where Sam Mendes is revisiting like his favorite theater and the idea of making movies. We have just gotten an mm-hmm. onslaught of these movies, and Armageddon Time is yet another one. But instead of looking back at uh, filmmaking, which all of them are going to do, uh, and really the religious side of it, what he looks at the most is the uh, politics and the, uh, the, the really the, the uh, wealth and class struggles that are happening because, like you said, he mm-hmm. begins school publicly and because of that he Mm. has completely different influences and he's able to see a whole side of the world that he's going to be taken out of right and looking back at this as a movie that's coming from a director um it takes a little bit of all the other ones you know some of them i haven't seen but it takes a little bit of belfast where he is revisiting and does a great job of seeing the whole movie from the point of view of a child but then it's also i don't know how old james gray is it is also you know (laughs) middle-aged james gray being able to add some elements to be like yeah those people who are in that 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 uh, those hallways you never thought of them differently but i as an adult <laughs> they come with some extra baggage there that you didn't know and i feel like right. he does kind of apply that to the movie that takes me out of it a little bit but um there is some interesting discussions on the movie because it is discussing guilt and what's always interesting yeah. on these movies is that people want a movie about someone apologizing but lord forbid they ever remind you on what they're apologizing for it's like we forget right. that if someone wants to be guilty about something you're gonna have to kind of mention the stuff that brings that guilt and i know it could mm-hmm. be a, a, a slippery slope because no one wants to bring that up and more than that is it him seeking out that guilt or is he seeking out that guilt going guys here's a movie about everything that i kind of realized was wrong someone comes up to him <laughs> and says i still think your movie may have something wrong and he's going no no, no, no. it's your time to listen to me i've already done my listening no one wants to hear <laughs> that either zach and I think that there may be some things in the movie that I don't think he did maliciously, but just like he learned mm-hmm. a lesson from when he was a kid and he didn't realize it, as a grown man, I think he may still not realize some of the stuff that he doesn't, again, do maliciously on screen, but can still be something that another person is saying, hey, you're saying you're listening to us. That's the point of this movie. We're telling you there's still a little bit more listening to be done. Totally. And uh, that's the thing about the the backlash towards what this movie is doing is something that is completely understandable and something that like I've been figuring out how to contend with given that this is a movie that I've personally responded to. And I think ultimately it's something that like, it, while it is a, a weakness of the movie, I think there's all these other strengths that um, I think are really commendable and, and worth focusing on. Uh, well, I mean, it's, it's sort of like, it, it is a part of the movie that, even if it's not necessary, even if you don't want to say it's necessarily a weakness of this film, it plays into like a larger trend that that generally sidelines uh, black characters in films that center white protagonists. So like I, I totally understand and don't have like I, I don't like I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't object to anybody's objection to that element of it. But I think like you were hinting at in your uh, in your 
analysis of it. Like it's also so central to the type of story trying to be told here in, in also in that, like I personally thought it was very unique to see this kind of like awakening to the world around you depicted as a kind of coming of age in, in, in a way that I don't know if I've quite seen that in a film. And mm. I do just respect that, that perspective being shown. You, you mentioned how gray as a adult filmmaker is like imbuing his own uh, kind of judgment on what happened. And to me, I, that's actually something I respond to about the movie. I think the film is just full of these things that like he would maybe rather have forgotten or, or rather have not participated in. And there is this kind of shame to, to the events of the movie that I, yeah. I think is palpable. So I think it's beyond, it's not, simply absolving himself of his role, I think there is a, a little more going on For sure. than trying to say, like, he's one of the good ones. I uh -huh. think, and in fact, like, in, in some of the interviews that he's uh, done about the movie, I think it's really interesting to note that he says he views... Uh, his, his family's role in this film as kind of like the villains, which I don't know. I, I thought that's a kind of fascinating approach yes. to uh, telling this kind of story. And that's another reason why I asked you, I was like, do you see it as a yeah. weakness and not something where it's just like, not inherently, I don't want to use the word wrong, but you know, like when you're working out, you're either going to be someone who's like really big and bulky. So you'll mm -hmm. have a lot of strength, but you probably won't be able to run fast. And then if you run fast, you probably don't have that much mass on you to have that much strength. If a movie is going to go in on this idea of guilt, it will have to upset people. Because the people it upsets, right. when they're telling their stories, in order for it to not be universal, the reason you like this movie is because it's so specific to something that connects to you. Mm -hmm. You're asking them to fix something that would take that away from you. Right? So it's a slippery slope type of movie where in order to be able to touch on the subject that it needs to, it needs to showcase the, the issues that's happening. And yeah, what happens here is that you have a kid who's kind of absolved from, and we'll get into spoilers gradually, but from uh, mm -hmm. incidents that happen between him and his new friend. But his new friend gets the short yeah. end of the stick. And he is practically learning the lessons out of that. So if you're going into this movie and you're this kid, you might learn a lesson. But if you're the other kid, what are you getting out of this movie? Right. Right. And like, I know we have a, a diverse bunch of intercuties watching our reviews, which is why I to always like want to like kind of preface when I, I can see these things. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's also these elements that I, I really thought were uh, unique and special about this film. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, in, in talking about that sort of concept of of, of, uh, of guilt or whatever, uh, you know, the film is part fairly uniquely Jewish in terms of its construction. Like I think to, to reckon with what it's trying to do, you have to uh, also contend with the fact that this is a, a family of Jewish people who've emigrated to America because they're escaping, you know, persecution from the Nazis and that survivor's guilt that comes with being, uh, you know, part of the, potentially one of the very few people in your family who's made it through that. Um, it, it's something that I think any Jew is like familiar with. If you um, have these conversations around, you know, at home and stuff. And it, it, there's something very, it, there's something very true to how that plays out within the family. 
Um, because at least in, in Judaism, there's this concept called tikkun olam, and it sort of calls upon Jews to repair the world, to make it a more just and peaceful place through acts of kindness and acts of charity. And, and, and Jews, because of their sort of ascension through social classes over the years, uh, coming sort of coming into America and being more demonized and being a uh, part of the lower lower classes, being subject to a bunch of anti-Semitism, and then this film distinctly taking place in a time where Jews were par- doing what they could to try and rise through the social classes and the way in which that sort of has taken a lot of uh, a, a lot of the community away from sort of this this identity of of having empathy for other oppressed people because it's so integral to the experience of being Jewish that uh, I, I feel like it's so. It, it, for me, I found the idea of denying that part of your existence to be very interesting. Mm. And I don't know. I don't know. I just don't, haven't seen that quite depicted in this way before, which takes it to me way beyond some film about like white guilt. It's, it's more complex than that. And I, and I think it's allowed to be. I think something can have uh, is it's in and outs to it and viewing it from the perspective of like him being innocent, right? Because a lot of it mm-hmm. is, it's not really critiques on the, it could be critiques on the film, but it's also critiques on James Gray himself, which I always find weird because I've listened to enough to he- hear his perspective of his approach to this movie. This idea that he likes to make movies where he feels there's something he hasn't attacked or or mm-hmm. uh, inspected in his past, and he wants to put that up on the screen. In particular right now, this was something that really stood out to him. And looking at it, from that point of view of like trusting him, right? Just, just not not uh, pulling his intent, right? And deciding what it right. is for him. I thought it was fascinating to see a young kid uh, not just learn his lessons, but also figure them out himself. Uh, you had mentioned right now, uh, what you kind of described it like a model minority. This idea right. that the entire uh, you know, race of people come together in order to be able to make it up the ranks on their own. And in doing so, you kind of ignore everything else that's happening around you. And here you have a kid mm. whose brother is in private school, so he doesn't get any of that. In fact, when he's in the private school, it all changes to being one mindset. Ill, look at those people who aren't us. But when he's in the public mm. school, in his own mind, he is already adjusted to, yeah, this is just another one of my classmates. And I'm noticing something a little different, but I'm only noticing this because I'm being exposed to it. And what it really felt like is mm-hmm. this idea of exposure. When you're actually exposed to others around you, you are actually able to get a different perspective. His brother doesn't have that perspective because they put him on a, mm-hmm. on a track, on a route to never have to deal with that. You're going to be on here. You don't have to worry about it. That school that he's in holds assemblies where it ends up being a particular family who's pretty big in New York who comes in to let you know you're not getting any handouts as they give them handouts. You're not going to take this mm-hmm. treacherous path because they have a really good path for them. Uh, everything has been set forth for you. And what happens when you're looking back at your past and you're realizing, yo, I had the one-way ticket, that silver spoon. I may not have been as rich as the people who run the school, but my family still had the connections to be in that school. How do you grapple that? Um, I find that I find that to be a very interesting dynamic at it because if you right. can't look at that, then there is no fixing anything. It's an apartheid movement to a degree where you want someone to apologize or to ask for forgiveness, but you don't want to ask for the wrong. You need to acknowledge the wrong. It gets awkward. It gets cringy. Mm-hmm. It gets a little weird. Um, I do wish that there was more to learn or more perspectives that he could have seen from the kid. Uh, an effective part of the movie is that you're always focusing it in from the perspective of uh, what's the kid's name in the movie? Uh, Paul. Paul. 
And they do a really great yeah. job of that. There's some really great sound design that happens in the movie, especially when he goes from just uh, joking around with his mom and there's, uh, you know, the cooking scenes where everything's happening a mile a minute. And he does this little twitch, which mm. I, I thought this kid did a great job. He's always like, uh, like he he's saying one line and then all of a sudden he starts another word exactly like a teenage kid would talk. And they did a great job yeah. at casting him because he's supposed to be a young James Gray. And James Gray knew, mm. I need to cast a kid who's going to be annoying. But we always talk about this. Some directors forget, I need an annoying character. Does that mean I need to annoy the audience as well? No. This is a kid who comes off as uh, that annoying kid who won't shut up, who thinks he knows better than his parents. But I didn't feel Mm -hmm. at any point in the runtime of the movie that he ever crossed that line of actually getting obnoxious as an audience member. So he killed it. Absolutely right. Like there's that moment early in the film when they're sitting down for for dinner and he uh, wants decides he wants uh, dumplings from the Chinese place rather than what his mom cooked. And just like how how insistent he is. It's like obnoxious in the way that a kid would be can can be realistically obnoxious, but not obnoxious in a way that's going to get you to try and like turn off the movie. Exactly. So he really killed yeah. it on that aspect. And I, and I just liked seeing a lot of the stuff from his point of view. Uh, there's one sequence mm-hmm. where he's going to get hit by his father. And that whole Ooh. moment just turns into like this horror movie. The camera stops being steady and all of a sudden it's shaky. It, it was like, it, it's straight out of a horror film and it takes you back to mm-hmm. those days. If you were ever, you know, disciplined by the belt, I would say, Woo, <laughs> did you get that down? Very right. Yeah. Um, no, it, it is a effective. particularly upsetting and horrifying scene. And like, I, it's funny because they they brought up uh, that scene during the press conference at the New York Film Festival, and I think people were trying to ask, like, was that scene uncomfortable to film? And they were all like, no, it was fine. Like, I think a lot is really suggested, and it, it's I think it's the filmmaking does a really good job of just capturing how how small Paul would feel in that moment uh, without necessarily like showing you. Uh, uh, as much upsetting stuff. And also it's just talking about the performances in the film. Jeremy Strong is just like titanically angry in that that uh, moment. It, it's angry in the way that like, uh, you know, it's like... Uh, like a like an impulsive reaction type of anger. You're not not doing it rationally, uh, and that's part of what's fr- so frightening about it too. Uh, Strong is so so good in this film. And just speaking about the performances, Anne Hathaway, Anthony Hopkins, She's and great. Jeremy Strong, they're all kind of considered outside contenders for the year end acting awards at this time. But do you think any other performances Jeremy. will be contenders for Intercuts best performances of the year? Jeremy, uh, again in in the form of the dynamic of a family who's kind of teaching the kids different lessons. One thing that I really enjoyed is that it's not one of those movies where the whole family's like, you've lived with us, so you should already kind of know this vicariously, but we're going to spend this movie teaching you a lesson uh, that you should have already known. They do teach him the lesson. Like, they vocally, they sit him down. There's a whole sequence, which I believe is the poster with the whole rocket scene, where his grandpa sits down and tells him the lesson. But there are moments before he actually is told what he should or should not do where he is already doing what's right. I like seeing that. I like it feeling like mm-hmm. a lived-in family where you could see that this kid already kind of had the right approach, but he should still be sat down by his family and told what to do. I love the discussions with his mom, especially because his mom has this whole storyline where she's kind of running to be uh, someone pretty big in the school board. She's already big in the PTA. Yeah. so She's, she's kinda, already the head of the PTA. Yeah, she's trying yeah. to be a mom. You know, She's trying to be a Jewish w- woman in America, but she's also like trying to be a woman in business and she's trying to make it in. Right. And this kid is not helpful because they're calling him slow. <laughs> they're calling him a troublemaker. And he's spending more time with the principal's office than he is the, the classroom. Yeah. Um, she was really good in it. Uh, I'd be happy to see her get an award, but I think her best performance was in TV this year on Apple TV. Uh, yeah, true. Anthony Hopkins, 
My man plays himself. If you've seen Anthony Hopkins <laughs> on his own social media, the man is hilarious. He is he's just so heartwarming and mm-hmm. it really just felt like like he was just being a grandpa on set. The way yeah. that he ha- he 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 says certain things, I'm like, I feel like this is how Anthony I've heard Anthony Hopkins speak like this. Uh say little yeah. jabs and quips and he's a freaking perfect grandpa in this movie. But it's Jeremy Strong yeah. easily who takes it because uh, that sequence we were talking about where he comes in very scary. Yeah, he was invoking an uncle or his own father at that scene, the way that he came in. I mean, just a little kid knowing where to go in the house the moment he heard that his mom said, ah, right. I can't get the lesson across to you. It's going to be your dad. He knew exactly to go into the bathroom, into the tub, right? <laughs> like that speaks <laughs> to a flashback memory that James Gray was telling him. And yeah. I was hearing James Gray talk. It's Jeremy Strong, bro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's definitely like the the very Jewish inflections. The that inflections are some. There's some lip from... smacking that he does. A way that <laughs> he just does certain breaths through his teeth. It was like crazy yeah. detailed. Uh, he, yeah. without a doubt, everyone's great in the movie. Jer- Jeremy Strong ran with it. He is my pick out of this movie in terms of performances. Uh, you could just tell that like he felt like a full lived in through person that wasn't just important to him, to James Gray, but to a lot of people on the set. I could tell they know this man right here. Yeah. My, mine as well. Uh, my pick for the my favorite performance from the film. You know, supporting actor. There is some sort of uh, contention that it's kind of a weak category at the Oscars this year. So I don't really understand why uh, people don't think this performance it, it should be among them because it is it, it is transformative. He really is like channeling something yeah. uh, through this film. Uh, let's talk more generally about James Gray because his films tend to be pretty deliberately paced. Uh, they're fairly dense with information and uh, can be emotion- emotionally muted, which I think makes it more difficult for people to connect with his work. Did you find that those same things were true here and did they affect how you felt about the movie? I feel you and I are really good at going into a movie to see what the director has to offer us. Mm-hmm. And I think the discussions we were having earlier uh, have a lot of validity to them, but it also brings in viewers who go into a movie not to see what the director has to offer, but how close a director can connect to them. I'm not Jewish. I wasn't going into the movie to see how Mexican of a movie James Gray can make it. That makes no sense to me. Right. I'm there to see his way of communicating with his family, his approach to school and all that. And it's because of that that I, I found it. Interesting to see how they converse with each other, the family dynamics of, you had mentioned they had come over uh, because of the Holocaust, but it was the grandparents. The parents themselves already had some time here, and the kid would be like the first one of them all who gets to decide what he wants to be, an artist, right? The mom's still trying to be in school. The dad is an electrician, a plumber. I want to say he's a plumber. Yeah, because there's a really great mono- some kind of like contract. Yeah, there's a really great speech that happens with um, Jeremy Strong's character about how he came in at an entry level job and nobody respected him except the grandpa. And I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. this is really interesting because I feel like I'm I'm revisiting James Gray's family and the dynamics that they had within that home, right? Because not everybody may have that. It could be the dad who's the breadwinner, not the mom's grandpa who's still helping everybody's college out. I liked being uh, within that vicinity. It's also in the same place where I do feel James Gray again is making a movie about looking back in time and, and seeing things at a different point of view. And I don't know how much of a different point of view he himself has. Now I explained to you that there were some really weird moments where I was just like, I feel this is coming from your subconscious, but you forgot to explain it in the film at no yeah. point anywhere on the internet. will you see the actual title for Armageddon time that they use in the movie, <laughs> but in the movie they came out 
it caught me so off guard because I'm looking at the poster right now and it's a beautiful title font in the poster. It's mm-hmm. a beautiful title font that's different in the trailer. Even in the credits of the movie. But the mm-hmm. opening and closing title font is the weirdest title font. Zach, I think you and I disagree with it. It just it comes out of nowhere. I'm sorry. <laughs> It's not. It's not that I disagree with you. Uh, he's choosing like a very graffiti style title font, which does evoke New York of the time, but it does not feel like it's evoking the New York of James Gray's <laughs> youth. <laughs> you know, like yeah, he does ride the subway, which is full of that style of graffiti. But sure. yeah, I mean, I, look, if I'm directing the same movie, probably not my choice for for uh, to go with like the whackness font yeah. for the title here. Because then in that you also have uh, a song or like a score that's very. Uh Rastafari's type score, even though the big connection that they had was the Sugar Hill Gang, and that's a completely different type of hip hop. And again, the font, mm-hmm. I could see it making sense if he had described it. I could see the score making sense because of all the Jamaican influences at that time. But they never really discussed it, and so it kind of felt like it was a a, a thought in the back of his mind where he's like, "Oh, this was another thing that happened in my childhood. Put it in there, James. You forgot to describe it." <laughs> uh, so those would be the only things. And again. Th- this is the font, bro. I swear to you. This is what the type of Armageddon time looks like, Zach. This is what I mean by how off guard it caught me. Uh, so, yeah, there's just some little um, things we... there where I'm wondering. He's he's half yeah. into his, his home life, and I'm like, this is really interesting. And then the other half seems to feel his subconscious mm-hmm. thoughts, maybe some riddled with guilt, some just kind of being fair connections here and there. But uh, I, I don't think it's as inaccessible of a film i think it's easy to connect to a child totally totally like i i do like both uh lost city of z and ad astra his last two films but uh they are both films that i found to be a little bit less uh penetrable at first you know i they're both movies that i i finished and thought well that was good and then i found myself revisiting them in my thoughts over and over again and then revisiting them in a rewatch because i found myself compelled to visit them again. Uh, this this one is definitely more immediately rewarding. I think maybe just because it does fall under the like coming of age structure. And that is a really like palatable, digestible type of movie. Uh, and, and one that at least I tend to respond to. I, I, I like, you know, a young person uh, growing into the world uh, kind of story, but uh, yeah, I, I just also, as I mentioned, there's definitely a bunch of things that I found personally, uh, fascinating about the type of story he's trying to tell here that uh, deepened my appreciation of it. But I, it's also that I think the personal element of it does make this something different than his other films. Like, even though he's got personal elements in his other films, Ad Astra's obviously, like, very much about being a father and, like, f- how you feel about your father. Uh, this one is so directly ripped from his memory, it feels at least like, that it puts it into like a different class for me. Uh, for sure. But maybe we should get into some spoilers to talk about it in a little more specific. I think we're both positive on the film and recommending it, maybe me a bit more strongly than you. I would definitely venture out, uh, go go out, see it whenever you can, you know, check out a uh, Friday night screening of it. Maybe not like the most fun time you'll have on a Friday night, but, uh, but you'll have a lot to chew on and think about yeah to me i'd say it's still worth going out i'd give it the go out rating um more of a matinee for me i think this is definitely one to catch in the morning i caught this one on a saturday night 
This is not a Saturday night movie with the boys. I'm going to tell you that much right now. This is a morning <laughs> movie. I think you want to come out of this movie and right. there'll still be some sunlight outside. Uh, it's one to have a discussion mm-hmm. about. I don't know if it's going to last towards the Oscars run. It could. It's got a great cast, crew, yeah. filmmakers behind it. Uh, I'm personally just rooting for if Jeremy I had to the guess, If I had to guess, I, I think maybe Fonts. it gets a screenplay nomination, if best font nomination. Uh, just just production design for that. Um, I would... I would consider it in production design otherwise, but... Um, yeah, production design would be good. I, I actually really do like the trains. That's why when you had told me that you were trying to invoke the font from being the trains, I was like, ah, it's the best, it's the best, it's the best response, but I still don't want to buy it. But yeah, the production design was, was yeah. pretty good. And again, I, I could see the script because if you look at this, if you, you go into this movie and you could be like, ah, it doesn't seem like this guy gets it. If you're just looking at it from his perspective and not maliciously putting the intent on him that he's out there to like learn a lesson out of somebody else. If you listen to his interviews, you can hear that he is fully aware that he sees the mistakes of his past, of his family. And he is reckoning with that, that idea of having um, the privilege to be able to have been in a school and in a place that got him to make. What movie is this for him? Eighth. I, I can't fault a guy for being honest just because I want to be like. What, repeating back exactly what he just told me he's guilty of? So, uh, like, I give it a matinee. I don't think it's one of the best of the year, but I always uh, respect a director coming out and being able to give a personal message. Definitely. All right, with that, we'll jump into some Armageddon Time spoilers. So if you haven't seen the film yet or you don't want it spoiled for you, uh, you can meet up with us on our next video. We're going to get into some Banshees of Inisherin talk a little bit later. But uh, if you want to hear more about Armageddon Time, uh, let's stick with us and we'll talk about some more details of this movie, uh, starting with... Uh, you were just talking about something that I was gonna. I was gonna. I got touch one. On. L- l- yeah. l- let me abridge you yeah, this for you because I just. I just thought of uh, what it's like blaming James Gray for being something that in the interviews he then comes out and says, "Yeah, that's actually what I was. I was approaching that." Uh, right. I think we're in this new era of if anybody who you know is like a good person, mm-hmm. their uncle twice removed on the left side of their mother's uh, <laughs> did something. You're like, I can't believe you're related to that person. This is the era that we're in. This whole movie is. I apologize for being related to the people who I got benefits from. And you're like, yeah, but did you realize that you're related to the people you got benefits from? I'm like, we're just having a, we're not really having a conversation here. We're kind of like blaming something for being what it is. Yeah. That's actually sort of related to what I think, what I wanted to mention. It's interesting because there is sort of this underlined element of the film because he talks about wanting to be an artist and his family keeps dissuading him from doing that. And yet like we know James Gray is an artist. He's made eight movies now. So like just that knowledge of who he's become shows us that he's kind of like gone away from his family, which, you know, they make, make a little bit literal in the actual ending of the film as sort of walking away from the things that that maybe other people will value for the movie. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, you know, the, the ideas of, you know, portraying his family as these people who, think they're like find themselves comfortably liberal and are happy with their values, but will be like very casually racist over the dinner table. You know, they'll, they'll, uh, they're probably patting themselves on the back for not voting for Reagan, but they're contributing to the policies that ultimately sub, you know, separated a whole class of, of people that are not like them. This man shaking his head when he's like, I can't believe a Reagan. I think it's in the trailer too, right? It's like the big push. I can't believe this Reagan one. And then I'm like, yo, your stocks probably, (laughs) your 401k is probably getting very benefited right now like like you're angry in public Mm -hmm. but inside you're like 
Yeah, his mom is head of the PTA, but won't even send her kids to school there. Yeah, so it's some fascinating stuff because there's always that discussion, right? There's that phrase of uh, you're socially liberal, fiscally conservative, right? right? More people than you know are like that. And because of that, uh, I thought it was fascinating to see his home life and, again, what he thought his perspective was. From my point of view, my boy's still rich, bro. My, my, man, is, my man is rich. <laughs> I, don't, I don't... Well, I... Stop, bro. I'm going to evoke well, the clip from Bodies, 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 your upper middle class when I have in this discussion. Sure, that, And you sure, know fine. that's all like that when that whole sequence No, happening. but like the, I think the, uh, well, the, the, the point is sort of to, that I made, was trying to make there is to establish that when they do ultimately end up in the private school, which is part of what we want to get into spoilers, they are met with a whole other class of people. Like his father is an electrician. He's not Fred Trump. No one's saying this, bro. But even if you're the ninth best player of a team, you still on the damn team. If you're going to school with the trumps you're in a different league than a lot of other people yeah, no yeah for sure for sure and that's part of the the rising through the classes element of the film but like they have to rise to that class they're not they're not there yet for they're sure. there in the school to then get the jobs yes. that will then put them there that is a rich discussion that is being had that other people don't have so he's just no, having of, that discussion as if it's like a regular poverty type thing that everybody else goes through it's like no nah, that is specifically an upper middle class discussion that's it yeah i think that's sure. part of the disconnection that happens he is allowed to vent about that because that is a discussion to be had rich people go through mm -hmm. things where they're like i know that sounds like a rich issue but it's still something you know that needs to be discussed i think he's just trying mm -hmm. to pitch it as like damn it was a, this is something we went through like as a struggling family and actual struggling audiences are going honey i don't i don't think that's it's a little bit different when you have the uh, mm -hmm. no one has the ability to leave a public school and enter a private school nobody has that he does yeah, I mean, I think it's also a, a different equation in 1980 than it is right now, for sure. But, like, you know, it's, it opposite, is, yeah. like, it, yeah, but it is, yeah, like, because of the position that the, they were able, like, the, being the children of grandparents who emigrated into the country and then being in a better position than they were. Mm -hmm. And then, again, the next generation is being elevated to another uh, another higher position in, in class. Like, th that is part of this move, the story that this movie is telling. And, yeah, I'm not – I don't think, like, it's fair to say that because they're both going to public school in the beginning of the movie, they're part of the same class. They're not. But he's also, like – his Paul's view of the world is a limited one because of his experience based on his peers. He's rich. And then he goes to another school where he's a, more on the lower class as he, as he finds out through the, his uh, discussions with his classmates where they, they will like call him a Jew and, and talk terribly about uh, Johnny. I see what you mean. I had brought up the model minority aspect of it earlier. Mm -hmm. It just kind of pushes why people don't. I feel like when it comes to a story like this, right, where you're you're yeah you're too rich to be poor, but you're too poor to be rich, right? Right, uh, right. You're Mexican but not Mexican enough because you're too American. Chinese <laughs> and not Chinese. You're black but not too black, right? It's like because you're light skin mm -hmm. or whatever it is. No one will ever accept those stories because everybody wants it to be an absolute or the other. So already right off the bat, That's... the story that was pitched was already asked to be mutilated a ton because no one cares about right. those those right in between things. Those are the biggest boohoo's because the rich people don't want to hear it, and then the poor people think you're too rich to hear. I what I'm saying is that yes, it's still valid. That I hear it too. is still a valid story to tell because the moment we start invalidating yeah. stories. Ain't no one going to care about the opposite sides either. Um, that said, though, 
what I found fascinating in the movie, uh, we were discussing how he doesn't need to be told the lesson. He kind of already knows it. It's that he is also complicit in his own selfish reasons. One of the big uh, spoiler things, Mm -hmm. he pitches the idea once he has switched schools and he's no longer really hanging out with his new buddy, but his new buddy keeps coming around the way. And he's kind of scared to talk about him because he knows that the new rich kids are going to make fun of him for speaking to him. But he ends up pitching him this idea that like, yo, you and I can both run away together. We can become artists if we just jack this computer from inside the school. Mm -hmm. But the only reason he wants to go inside the school was because his grandpa had reminded him, never give up your art without signing it. And the only reason he went into that school was because he walks out of the classroom, but it's already, the painting he's trying to find has already been like locked up. He just wanted to sign it. And that whole sequence is what ends up getting his his buddy in trouble (laughs) because they were never going to sell that. How are you going to steal a computer and pawn it? Come on, bro. Come on, bro. Um... So I like that aspect. I mean, that, that's also because there like, he's not holding I, his mistake on his parents. That is his mistake through yeah. and through. Absolutely, and and it's something that he has to then like feel the consequences of. Although you know, I guess getting back you into one it? of the reasons that the film has what you think he did it. James Gray is he I, fictional or is I he? I don't not? know. Because you also I, see I how know. that's a whole other level of being like a Liam Neeson press talk. Where you're venting and you're being honest, but then you cross the thing of like, nah, but you said you were going to do something. Did you do it? Because this is a movie mm-hmm. about something that may have happened and he didn't walk up and down the streets of Ireland looking to get something. This kid does go to jail. Right. And and that's, again, one of the things that I think has people feeling um, upset about the handling of the Johnny character in that like he experiences the brunt of the consequences and that he's sort of for in a way forgotten by the movie right yeah like the 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 movie can move on and Paul can have a more satisfying ending without really uh acknowledging Johnny again and and I, I don't know <laughs> until 2022 um, when you need a new movie idea. <laughs> Sure, perhaps, and I, I don't know. I I'm, I am sympathetic to that argument. It's not like it, I don't think it's like an incorrect one to make. I just again, we are getting back into the idea of like how do you um, d- depict this aspect of society and, and, and try to like uh, show that the the uh, consequences faced by a young black kid are not on the same level as the cons- consequences faced by a young white one. Other than to show and, it, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. We are getting um, to the point so where we're like scared I, to showcase things like that. And I don't think that's right. Mm-hmm. Disney remade Pinocchio. And instead of teaching kids to not drink alcohol, they switched it to root beer. And it's like, I see what right. you're sanitizing, but you're also sanitizing the idea of like, look what happens when you make mistakes. So if you're not allowed mm-hmm. to show the mistake, you're almost like giving them a pathway to do it because you're, you're not correcting so, them. Because we want to pretend that mistakes can't be made. They still have to be showcased. Totally, and maybe but it's there different are like, if he better did it. ways to. It feels like you're yeah, seeing there... like a recap of like, wait, you get to do a whole press run. I think it begs the yeah, question: I mean, if the if I, the movie's supposed I... to feel real, then you want to know how's he doing, how's the other kid doing. Right, right, and then like maybe the question is to ask him how literal that that scene is meant to be. I I would if question whether or not he would rip something. <laughs> you know, it's like, what's better, Zach, for it to be real and it'd be like, wait, right. wait, 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 or it to not be real and then still be like, wait, 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 wait. Totally. Um, the the other thing that 
maybe feels fictional but apparently is real is the characters with some familiar last names in the film, including yep. Fred Trump, Donald's father, as well as Marianne Trump, who are donors to the private school and uh, appear in scenes of the movie. Jessica Chastain playing Marianne Trump in a memorable speech from the film. Uh, th- this is another detail lifted directly from Gray's life because the Trumps were actually involved in the school he attended. Uh, he mentioned during the New York Film Festival press conference that he called his brother up to try and remember the details of too- Marianne Trump's speech yeah. uh, so that they could put it into the movie. Uh, and it also serves to underline the, the political thesis of the film because despite all of her advantages, Marianne also insists that she wasn't given any handouts and she's where she is just by virtue of her own efforts, even though we know based on like her surroundings that that's not really the case. Mm -hmm. Do you think that that falls into what I'm saying about the Belfast thing, looking back and remembering things with the point of view that we have right now in 2022? Um, maybe perhaps, uh, I, I, the lone (laughs) thing in particular, I couldn't, it's a trailer shot. Sorry. The lone shot, the lone quote in particular is a trailer shot. I didn't know, who they were in the trailers, though. Yeah. So when I figured out who yeah, she was, I mean, it hit different. I was like, "Oh, that's why she says you're not going to make it out with any handouts." You know what I, what I, I, what I think is that like it's possible that like the attitude toward of like general being generally being like put off by them. I can understand that, but maybe the like contextualizing it into the larger picture, that's really where the, the adult on. James Gray is coming in yeah, I, and, and kind of editorializing it perhaps. But Cause I heard him speak um, about I, it I, and he said that yeah. Donald did go to the exact same school he went to and mm-hmm. he wanted to maybe do something with it, but he felt it would have been a little too on the nose. Like you're just introducing Thanos right. is going to take everything away from it. So he kind of just really wanted to focus on, on the parents, on the rest of the family. Um, so. Yeah. I mean, I it's know. the thing, it's the thing of like, sometimes there's something, some people who are like so famous that it's almost like that transcends the film. And it's like, you already had Reagan. It's like in almost it. yeah, hard you've to already contain. had Reagan. In yeah. it. We've been in a year where there's been so many Reagan's like, I, you'll watch a horror movie and Reagan will randomly just be on a radio. <laughs> like, <laughs> we're in this era where every, every director's trying to put him in there in, in yeah. some way, shape or form. Uh, I thought the way he could, yeah. he was able to contrast, you know, the election on TV to the Trump's coming in and you being able to piece it together is what I mean by it being effective. Cause he knows, Today's audiences will be able to connect the two pieces together and how they're related. But then it is also kind of like he is setting it up. He knows that we're going to connect the two. He knows that we're aware of a handout line right. from the last couple of years. And uh, he relays it there. He did mention that bit about calling up his brother and that they both remember the scene of him asking for the last name in the hallway to a T. Mm-hmm. So... I, be, I it just it made me question more of his upbringing. I was like, how close were you to these people, bro? Because <laughs> even in the end, he runs away, right? And thematically, for the story, right. for the beginning, middle, and end that you get, it's him trying to break away from it. Yeah, he's he literally school, walking away from from Fred Trump giving a speech, and you know you can you can come back read that very literally that he's walking away from that kind of uh, thinking. But he still graduates from the school. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how much agency uh, a preteen has over where they go to school. They shouldn't. They shouldn't have any. But um, <laughs> yeah, I guess. So, what's the lesson, or what's the, what's the uh, what's the change that that is made after you watch Armageddon Time? W- are you asking me personally? <laughs> I don't know, bro. 
you like, need, how, how you is my life have, different since you James Gray's eighth movie? What public, what uh, private schools have you dropped out of immediately <laughs> after Armageddon time? <laughs> Uh, I mean, you know, I, I don't know. Um, I, I think it's a film that did sort of like make me have certain conversations that uh, I don't know. I, I found to be fascinating and are, are you know, maybe maybe pro- provocative in some ways. But I, I think it's trying to open up a conversation about uh, solidarity and and maybe like I don't know how much a movie is going to get that done, but like you know, it's the part of the the role that art has to play is to like stimulate your mind and perhaps like inspire some ideas in you. And I don't know, uh, it did it did that for me. So I I'm not really going to com- complain about it. I I can see other people not being affected the same way, but I I was affected. I got one idea. Tomorrow seven o'clock. I know a school that's got MacBook computers. You and I are going to go in there. We're going to take Intercut <laughs> on the road, baby. Yeah, let's this do it. it. That we, this is how we're going to fund our Sundance trip. The next next one's going to be crispy images on both of our screens. Just watch that. The process yeah. is going to be better. No, I know what James Gray got me to do. He, I, he got me to vote. I voted today. I know it's a day late, but I did vote today. So hopefully they count it. I don't, I'm not so sure. They might. <laughs> Anywhere... Any more ever get in time thoughts, or should we uh, wrap this up after credits? Uh, this is a fun talk. Yeah, that's pretty much uh, all I have to say for it. Pretty, it, not one of his best movies, in my opinion. I think if I'm recommending James Gray to mm-hmm. people, I really like Ad Astra. I thought it was a very good uh, mm-hmm. sci-fi movies, space movie, especially at that period when we were bombarded with a lot of them. I think it looks beautiful. I think it's on HBO Max. Check that one out if you can. Um, but this one, I, I'd say, in terms of a fall movie, especially one that played at festivals, it's still worth the matinee price. Um, if You've heard our discussion, you've heard other discussions, and you're kind of on the fence on it. It's still worth watching at home. Uh, still have it on your radar because I think some of the performances are worth getting. And even if Absolutely. you disagree, I think it's important to still understand differing perspectives from both ends. From this filmmaker who's mm-hmm. telling you his story and from the audience members who are telling the filmmaker, hey, this is also our story. Uh, because in listening to those different interpretations and in communicating, you are able to understand and get and accomplish what the movie is supposed to be setting out to accomplish. Yeah, absolutely. So that fun uh, still sucks. Though. That's <laughs> movie's good though. Uh, I I think that's well put. I'll give it my recommendation as well. Uh, you can catch more from us here on Intercup. But that's all for this edition of After Credits. I'm Zach Shevich. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, or Letterbox at zshevich. That's z s h e v i c h. And check out my YouTube or or TikTok channels at Multiplex Art. Where can people find more from you? You can find me over at Let Me Explain on YouTube, Letterbox, Twitter. I think right. We saw on Twitter. Something happened on yeah, Twitter we're still today. On Twitter. I, <laughs> like every day has been something new on Twitter, so I don't know what happened today yeah. on Twitter, but I think I'm still on Twitter. Uh, no, we don't got the check marks, so we're we're in the clear. Is everybody paying for it? Because now I'm going through people with check marks, and I'd be like, "Oh, you got a check mark," and I'm going like, "Boy, you wasting eight dollars on this." Uh, but you can catch us every <laughs> week here on the Intercut Podcast. You can catch us every week on Intercut on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, whatever your favorite podcatcher is. I like Overcast, and then make sure you subscribe not just to the audio podcast, but to the video feed as well on our YouTube channel, YouTube.com/slash/IntercutPod, where you can catch our bright, smiling faces. We break down the latest in entertainment. Find new episodes of the Intercut Weekend Must Watch streaming on our YouTube channel every Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern. Please leave a comment, like the videos, and consider heading over to iTunes to give us that much-requested five-star review. 
Like our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages. Support our Patreon. All of them are at Intercut Pod to get updates throughout the week from me, from Art, from all the guests we feature here on Intercut. And hit the link to join our Discord community in the description attached to this episode. Thanks again for tuning in. And until next time, be a mensch.